0: You're listening to the Living Word Church podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. So, so glad that you guys are with us here today. Yeah, kicking off a new series here on Christmas. Love it. Such an awesome time of year. And um, I know we've got a little bit of a division on this here in our church. We've got some hardcore Mets fans and some hardcore Yankees fans here in the church. Now I've been a hardcore Mets fan my whole life, and I don't hate you Yankees fans. I don't hate the Yankees. All right. For some reason, I've discovered that there are lots of Yankees who don't just love the Yankees; they hate the Mets too. It's like a part of the deal. My brother-in-law is one of these people. Um, he will not root for the Mets. He hates the Mets, and uh, it was crazy because he's a youth pastor and. I I found out recently that he took well over the summer he took his youth group to a Mets game and I was like what I was I was floored I was blown away I couldn't believe that he was willing to go to Citi Field and um, I found out later that they played the Brewers and he bought a Brewers hat and rooted for them and like rooted angrily against the Mets the whole time it's like wow so our family with with his family decided to go to Yankee Stadium I had been at the old one but not the new one yet so over the summer we went to a game and so there were things that I was prepared for and things I wasn't prepared for so I knew that there was be, you know, the parking issue is a little bit tricky there as opposed to city fields. So you're parking kind of far and up in a garage and that whole deal. I was kind of ready for that. And uh, I was prepared because one of my favorite restaurant places in the whole world is in Yankee Stadium, Bobby's Burger Palace. It used to be at the mall. It closed down, but they have one there. So we were so excited about that. I was prepared for a great game. One thing I wasn't prepared for was the ice cream. Okay, everybody? The ice cream. So here's what happened. So me and Landon and Kate go to get some ice cream, maybe 6th, 7th inning. And I'm like, oh, okay. They, they must have named the ice cream place after like a, a Yankee great, you know. Um, I didn't recognize the name, but I didn't think too much of it because I'm a Mets fan. Or, you know, I, it wasn't like an obvious one like Jeter or anything like that. And if you're at City Field, like Keith Hernandez has a little stand of food and Pete Alonso has like his burger place. And so they'll like name stuff after these different players. And so we buy the ice cream and we're, I take my first bite. And I'm like, wow, something is wrong with this ice cream. This is so weird. And I confirm it with my sons. And so then we go and sit down and I say to Kelly, I'm like, this is nasty. Like, I don't know what's going on with this ice cream. And, and and so she Googled it. I said, just Google Oatly's ice cream. And so she's like Googling it. And she goes, Doug, it's not a person. Like Oatly is not a great Yankee player. Like it's a, it's a, it's a company that makes ice cream from oat milk and pea protein. And I was like, seriously, and so the whole time I'm eating it, I'm complaining. My wife's like, stop eating it. I'm like, it costs $1,000 per container. I'm going to eat this and complain as long as I want. So there were some things I was prepared for, others not so much. Everybody say Prepared. That's going to be an important word for us here today as we get into some questions about what God's done to prepare us and how God can use us to prepare ourselves and others to grow in our relationship with Jesus. But there's a few questions we're going to get to before that. First off, question number one for today is what do I do if I'm a skeptic? You know, there's there's that part of us, or, or there's many of us maybe here in the room that would just say, I'm just a skeptic. I just, I can't, you know, seem to come around the truths of Jesus, or are they truths, or can I take God seriously, and I just struggle with my faith. I'm a skeptic, and we're going to talk about that here today. Uh, Question number two we're going to talk about that's going to come up in the scripture is, did God not give me what I prayed for because he's mad at me, right? Like, I experienced loss. I asked for something. It went the other way, Is that because God's mad at me? And I I know we we do this to ourselves, everybody. Like, it's so easy to fall into believing that we were the downfall. It was because of us. It was because of that thing we did or didn't do. Then God's mad, and that's why, right? We're going to tackle that here. Question three, what did God do to prepare humanity for a relationship with him? Question four, how can we prepare ourselves and others for a deeper relationship with God? And then question five, I love this thought here, is do you picture God as someone who withholds mercy somebody who annoyingly gives mercy or happily gives out mercy. See, I think we all picture God a different way. Some of us are like, oh, God stingy on mercy. Some of us are like, he'll give it, but he's not thrilled about it. Some of us are like, oh no, God's all about mercy. So we're going to dive into that today. And it's a, a powerful introduction here today to where we're going to head next week as we continue to, to look through the passages in the scripture that, we, that really uh, have to do with Christmas. So Luke 1.1 says this, many have undertaken... To draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to those by those who, excuse me, who from the first were eyewitnesses. Everybody say eyewitnesses, and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus is the guy, Luke is writing the letter to, so that you may know the certainty. Everybody say certainty the certainty of the things you have been taught. What do I do if I'm a skeptic? Well, I love these opening verses here because Luke is writing to a guy named Theophilus and maybe that sounds a little bit familiar because when we did our Acts series from the spring until the fall, we saw that Luke wrote the book of Acts and it was addressed to Theophilus. So it's the same guy and he starts them in a similar way trying to assure Theophilus that he can trust what was written. He's basically saying here, look, I did hard work here to make sure what I'm saying is accurate. It's trustworthy. I researched it from the beginning. I, I found the eyewitnesses, and I made sure that what I'm saying is right, and I'm passing it along to you so you can know that it's right. Now, what's interesting is the, the, the theologians kind of think, well, then Theophilus must have been a skeptic. because Luke starts out both of his books to Theophilus talking about, how he can trust what has been said. So the the thought is that Theophilus either was a recent convert to Christianity, he was not yet a convert, or maybe he was someone who had followed Jesus for a time but was struggling in his faith and thinking about leaving. And so I just love the idea that when we talk about skeptics and we talk about skepticism, like there's room for us at the table when we're wrestling and questioning. And there's great questions about God, but there's great answers about God. So here's what I want to do in church today. And let's just be honest. All right. And it's okay. I'm going to raise my hand too. If you've ever been a skeptic about this Jesus stuff, just raise your hand. Just, just go for it. Come on. Let's like join me in it. All right. So years ago, I was wrestling, and some of you have been around, you've heard me talk about this. I was wrestling so much in my faith. I'd grown up in a great Christian home, and I really started to struggle in my faith. And I was preparing for ministry and getting my feet wet in ministry. And I, at the same time, had this conflict in my heart. Like, I have to make sure this is true. I have to make sure if I'm going to tell people every single week that Jesus can be trusted, that he can really be trusted. And so I dug in deep, and I searched, and I I just, it was a multi-year just struggle, some of the worst time of my life, but just trying to figure out, like, can Jesus be trusted? And I'm so thankful that what Luke said is true. The Word of God is trustworthy. You can trust what God says. You can trust what the Word of God says. And I want to let you know that if you have questions here today, Search God out. Seek God out. Come talk to me. Talk to our team. We want to answer those questions. We want to point you toward the hope that we found in this reliable, amazing relationship we have with God. Uh, Walter Liefeld says this, it was customary among the Greek and Hellenistic historians, including the first century Jewish writer Josephus, to explain and justify their work in a preface. Their object was to assure the reader of their capability through research and reliability. And that's what Luke has done here. He went and he asked the eyewitnesses, hey, what did you see? What did you experience? Tell me about Jesus. Tell me what you saw. And I want to make sure I'm getting all this right. And here's what those eyewitnesses said in verse 5. In the time of, king, excuse me, in the time of Herod, king of Judah... Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abiha. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Question two, did God not give me what I prayed for because he's mad at me. If I could just address this, it jumps right out, doesn't it, here in what we just read? Here's a couple unable to have a child. They're in excruciating pain. Elizabeth is going to tell us later that she has shame and disgrace in the community because she wasn't able to have a child. And I can't tell you because the Bible doesn't tell us that Zachariah and Elizabeth absolutely struggled with this, but I would guess if they're anything like you and me, then they did I would guess that there were times that they asked the question like you and I do. God, are you mad at me? Is that why you haven't answered this prayer? Are you upset with me? If I had done this instead of that, would everything be all right? If I had done that instead of this, would it all have worked out the way I wanted it to? And maybe your issue in life isn't that you haven't been able to have a child. Maybe it is. Or maybe it's, it's a great loss. You prayed for healing, and you didn't get healing. You prayed for an open opportunity, and that opportunity shut down. And so that's when we go, God, are you mad at me, Right? But think about what the scripture did here. It went out of its way to tell us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were right with God. They were righteous, and yet this happened to them, right? And so that tells me something. And as we continue to see the rest of the story unfold, that God was working out a powerful plan on their behalf all along, everybody. That's why I'll let you know he's doing that for you, too. He's working out a powerful plan on your behalf. Romans eight twenty eight one of the most amazing scriptures in the whole Bible, Right? All things work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? All things, and I think that we don't always believe it's all things. We believe it's 95% of things or 50% of things, but yeah, it's all things. And I can tell you that when I was sitting in a hospital bed for several months close to death, I couldn't see the plan. When my mom passed away years ago, I was questioning the plan. My wife, you know, was 15 years of chronic illness Like, God, where are you in all this, right? And it's so easy, isn't it? Just go, well, this is because of this. It's because I. It's because we. It's because of that scenario. And I just love that here is a righteous couple, a couple who loves the Lord and has done all they can to please God, and he loves them, and yet he's allowed this time in their life because he's working out a powerful plan on their behalf. That's why I encourage you today. I think we are masters of beating ourselves up over things and saying, if only this or if only that. If only I had lived this scenario in a different way, and man, we've lost sleep over it, we've lost peace over it, we've lost maybe even weeks, months, and years of our lives over just that continual beating of ourselves. And I just really feel so strong, and this is in the notes today. I felt it at the first, and I'm feeling it here again at the second service today, just to tell you, some of us, we have just got to let these things go. We've got to stop blaming ourselves. We've got to know the Lord is not mad at us. All of God's wrath against sin was taken out on Jesus on the cross. Do we live in a fallen world? Yeah. Do we sometimes walk through times of discipline because we have a God who loves us and he tries to discipline us toward what is good and right? Yeah. But he's not mad at us today, everybody. And so you and I can stop beating ourselves up and take some great weights off of ourselves and just look, we just talked for nine weeks about a sovereign God who's working out a sovereign and a good plan. Some of you are are, are at the point in your situation where you can look back at the, the situation and go, oh, I see the good, I see what he was up to. But some of us aren't there yet. If you could just look me in the eyes right now and just hear me say, I've been where you've been. I am where you are in some ways right now on some things in my life. But there's enough that I've, I've walked through in my life that I can look back and say, there was a plan. I was just talking with somebody this week. And they were saying, man, there was this really difficult several years of my life. And they were talking about how they had really made some poor choices in that time. But they were also saying, but I can see God using it. Like like even my own failure, my own choices, I can see God taking and turning and using for good in his hands. So no, God's not mad at you. That's not why you didn't get what you asked for. He's working out a sovereign plan. And if it's, if it's his plan, then it has to be good. Let's keep going. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty... And he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now, listen, there were so many priests in Zechariah's day that this would have been a once in a lifetime opportunity for him. Like, it wasn't like he got to go in and burn incense to the Lord every time. What was the burning of the incense about? It was um, a visual and, 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 and a, a sensory representation of the prayers of God's people going up to God. Like, what a cool thing, right? And so this is like a huge deal for him. I get to go into the temple and burn the incense, this beautiful imagery of, of our prayers going up to God. And it seems kind of random, though, doesn't it? Like, it says that they casted lots. It's kind of like you and I, like rolling dice. Like, hey, let's roll dice, see who's going to preach today in church, right? Like, oh, Doug got to preach. Okay, cool. So I get to preach. This is my one shot. And it seems really, really random. But watch this, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Everybody say not random. Everybody say prepared. God prepared this moment. This wasn't random. God was over the casting of those lots and how they fell because he had a moment and he needed to t- get with his boy Zechariah here. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now listen, they had wanted this son. They had prayed for this son. But it was delivered in a way later time than they could have ever imagined. And it had to be miraculous at this point. It was a miraculous thing that an old man of this age and an old woman of this age would be able to conceive a child. It says in verse 14, He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is incredible. So the son that's going to be given to Zechariah and Elizabeth is coming with the sole purpose of preparing the way for Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, getting people's eyes and attention on the things of God. Everybody say prepare. Question three, what did God do to prepare humanity for a relationship with him? Can I tell you the honest answer? Too many things to list. Way too many things to list. What did God do to save me? Save me and you? Way too many things to list. But let's just start with, well, he sent John to begin to point the people of that day to Jesus. And John would grow to become John the Baptist, right? And so John's whole life was about Jesus is coming. John was the opening band. He was the preview at the movie. He was the text to your kid, I'm coming in 10 minutes, be ready. He was preparing the way. He was establishing something powerful where people would get their attention on the Lord. In fact, God was so prepared for this moment that he told us it was coming 500 years before it came. In Malachi, there's a prophecy that one would come, and it uses some of the same uh, verses and termino- or terminology as we see here in these verses. And so that's some serious preparation God's been doing to save mankind and bring this amazing preparer of the way, John. But I want to tweak this first question because I don't want it to be general. I want it to be more personalized toward us today. Not just what did God do to uh, begin and prepare the salvation of mankind, but, but for you specifically. What did God do to prepare your salvation for you. Well, John had a really specific role. Like never again, right? I mean, obviously never again will there be a John the Baptist who comes to prepare the way for a Jesus, right? That was a one-time thing only. But I think that we can learn a lot and apply a lot of what happened in John's life and Jesus' life to our own lives. Because I want you to think about what God did for us to prepare the way. He sent his son to be born and to die and to rise again to prepare the way for our salvation. But that's not it. That's the one we all think of But he did so much more. Do you know that he put people in your life to prepare the way for you specifically to come to know Jesus? Maybe you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can think back to who that person was or those people were that really encouraged my relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're like, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. I just want to warn you, God's placed some people in your life to point you to him. He's got them there because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. You know what else God did? Circumstances, situations, the right time." The, the, the right moment to open your heart, to tap you on the shoulder and get your attention. Last week, a 13-year-old boy came up to the front, front for the prayer time. And uh, I saw his mom walking up with him. Mom stopped. Son kept coming. I'm thinking, okay. So he wants to come up for prayer. She goes and sits down. He comes up and he's got tears streaming down his face. I said, bud, what's up? And I know this kid. He goes, I just felt God for the first time. And he says to me, What does it feel like? Like he's like he's nervous he didn't, you know? And I said, Well, it can feel like a lot of different things, but one thing that's pretty common is like you just get this overwhelming feeling of the love of God. And his tears just said, That's exactly what I felt. See, God did a lot to prepare our salvation. He did a whole lot to just in the right moment get our attention and move in our lives. And even Allow us to go through some seasons where maybe we were questioning. Maybe we were skeptical. Maybe we were wondering. Maybe we were doubting. Maybe we were running. And yet God is moving in such powerful ways. And I want to just let you know that God does this for us very specifically right? Like I think about my own life as a young boy. Uh, I'm raising a home with parents that pointed me to Jesus. And I go to a Christian school where teachers pointed me to Jesus. And I had great pastors at my church that pointed me to Jesus. And I had some friends that pointed me to Jesus. I had some others that didn't so much. But I had some friends who did point me to Jesus. And I think about then college as a, a young man uh, learning ministry. And then I had some professors that pointed me to Jesus. And my wife's pointed me to Jesus. And and you have so many just different touches of people who point you to Jesus. And he's done the same for you. Maybe you didn't didn't grow up in a house with christian parents but somebody started pointing you to jesus maybe it was a coach a coworker, or somebody at school right who was it for you see we don't sit and think about this do we what a prepared god all that he's done to bring us to the point of knowing him some of you got saved at a, somebody else's funeral and somebody got up and you heard the gospel preached for the first time and at a funeral you put your trust in jesus isn't it amazing how he could reach us anywhere we are he's prepared our salvation for us in a powerful way. Let's keep going. Verse 18: Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this great news. I love this because I kind of feel like, I don't, he's not sinning, but I kind of feel like Gabriel's almost getting a little impatient here, you know, like, bro, I'm an angel. Like, you're really asking me how you can know I'm an angel. I stand in the presence of God. You know where I just came from? A minute ago, you were about to pass out because you saw me, and now you're wondering if you can trust that this message is from God. Like, imagine um, you're sitting at home later today, and all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door right? And it's the vice president of the United States. And you open up the door and she's like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, well, hi, you know? And she's, she's like, uh, just want to give you a message from the president. And she goes ahead and gives this whole message. And then you're like, wait a second, how can I know if this is really from him? And she's like, I just came from the Oval Office, bro. Like, hello, right? Like, that's what's going on here. Verse 20, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed times. So Zachariah gets the sign. It's not the sign he wanted, not be able to speak for nine months. Maybe his wife is happy. I don't know about that or not, but verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple, because normally the priest would come out from burning the incense and say over the people the ironic blessing. He didn't come out. Where is he? Verse 22. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. Zechariah's playing charades with them out there. You know, he's like going like, you know, they're like pregnant angel. I don't know what you saw in there, you know. When this time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. So everybody say after this. Okay, so this isn't just a miracle that two old people are able to produce a child It's a prophecy and a miracle. Because it's not like Zechariah went home and she was already pregnant. This is another Mary's scenario where the Holy Spirit did this. This is after this, right? He went home, and now she is pregnant. And so we have this amazing prophecy and miracle. It says this, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And these days, he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. See, she she was wrestling with that. Disgrace among the people. Because she hadn't been able to have a child. And again, that's you and I sometimes just disgraced, hurting. Maybe people, maybe well-meaning, maybe maybe not. I don't know, pointing their fingers saying, this hasn't happened yet for you because of that. This is why you're still going through that. And then we go, because God's mad at me, because he doesn't want me, because he's left me, because he's abandoned me. If that was anybody else but me, maybe he wouldn't have, but I'm me. No, God's not mad at you. God's prepared a great plan for you. And I love that all throughout this story we see prepared God who's ready and is doing things in the background that are going to become a part of a wonderful plan. The next 32 verses are about the angel telling Mary she's going to have a baby too and uh, and Elizabeth and Mary who are relatives are you know interacting and praising God together And, and I don't want to get too into that part of the story because we're going to get into some of that next week but what I do want to bring up is isn't it amazing that John is already in some ways preparing the way for Jesus because we find out in those verses that Mary needed some reassuring and what the angel tells her is uh, your, your relative Elizabeth is going to have a child and Mary knows that's a miracle and so already John's not even out of the womb yet he's preparing the way for Jesus and the timing of it all. Then it goes down, let's jump down to verse 57 where John's story picks back up. Verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Real quick, side note, this is why community is so important. We're supposed to be here together, everybody, in these moments of joy, of sadness. You know, in the last seven days, four of our staff members lost a loved one and our buddy Jimmy and his family lost a loved one. Like five really close people to me in the last week. And so coming together is so important. Being there for each other is so important, right? We'll celebrate and we'll you know, enjoy the highs of life together. That's important, like in this verse. But we got to be there for the lows as well. Verse 59, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, "No, he's to be called John." They said to her, "There's no one among your relatives who has that name." See, back in the day, everybody named everybody after a relative. You know, like it's done now, but it was expected then. It's done now, here and there. You know, Long Island Italian culture, like here in church. If you said, "Hey, Joe," half the church would say, "Yeah, what's up?" You know. So you know, it's done. But back in the day, it was expected. Verse 62, then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. The next several verses, everybody's amazed. Zechariah praised the Lord, and then he says this about John. Verse 76, and you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare. But say prepare, prepare the way for him. Now remember, that's a really unique thing. A role that John the Baptist fulfilled that, that you and I can't exactly like he did, but yet we can in some ways, can't we? And so I want to ask you this question. How can we prepare ourselves for a deeper relationship with God? How can we prepare our own hearts? Everybody say nothing. That was horrific. I didn't, when I said say nothing, I didn't mean be quiet. All right? like, he said say nothing. All right. Say nothing. Okay. There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. Like not one thing. And so I will ask you this. If you have an area of your life and it's just out of balance, what does it look like to get that in balance so that your relationship with God can be on track? If there's something in your life that just needs to be completely eradicated, it is worth it. Get it dealt with. Look, it's not about works. We're not gonna save ourselves, but we can remove obstacles that are between us, us and God, can't we? And so, man, don't allow anything. Maybe this Christmas season is a time to reset and get our eyes back on the Lord for some of us. And so don't let one thing, not one thing, stay an obstacle between you and the Lord, a distraction between you and the Lord. Like, let's, let's do what we gotta do so that our own hearts are prepared to be as close to God as they can be. Verse 77, he says, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. In other words, Zechariah saying, son, you are gonna help people Come close to the Lord and find forgiveness of sin. So my question for you now is if we just tweak that fourth question again is how does God want to use us to prepare others for a relationship with him? So we can prepare our own hearts, but man, God wants to use us to prepare other people's hearts as well. And so you might say, but I'm not a pastor or a missionary or a theologian. Can I just tell you something real quick, a little secret between me and you? When you go into the city to your office this week, when you're at school this week, when you go to your favorite takeout place and get food this week, there are people that the pastor, missionary, and theologian do not know that you know. You're there on purpose. Right where you are. God wants to use you. Next Sunday, we have this amazing opportunity, and the Sunday after that, to reach people. People are willing to come to church. There, some people are looking at, at it like just a to do on their list. Like, I got to wrap some presents, and I got to bake some stuff, and I got to get to a church service. I don't know where it's going to be. Don't really care. Hope it's quick. Hope it's short. Right? And they just want to check it off. But. Wow, they walk in, and i just tell you this part, sonically and visually, you will be amazed at what the team has put together for next Sunday. It's gonna be so much fun, but I will also say, if that's all you get, then what a waste of time. I love our team, they're amazing. They've worked really hard. Andrew's probably like, well, then I quit. No, (laughs) but listen, we'll use that as a tool to see people come in, but if God doesn't tap them on the shoulder while they're here, then what are we doing, Right? And so what an opportunity next Sunday we have. If you have a friend who's like, ah, church is so boring. I'm it's completely disengaging. I just dare you to invite him for next Sunday, all right, and see what God will do. But I just think it's so powerful that you and I are placed somewhere to be that light, to have this opportunity. And then the following Sunday, Christmas Eve, it'll be a really powerful time talking about the God who satisfies. You see, my, my kind of thought for us next Sunday as we go into service, just so you know you can trust Maybe I should bring my friend next week. Here's the question for next Sunday. Just one. Question for next Sunday. You know that part of you that feels empty sometimes? That's the leading. You know that part of you that feels empty sometimes, that feels hollow sometimes? There's a whole world of people out there completely hollow, everybody. And you and I have a beautiful taste of satisfaction. And yet, as followers of Jesus, sometimes that hollow tries to creep back up, doesn't it? So that's where we're gonna spend our time next sunday but god has placed you somewhere on purpose to reach people right now last sunday i told you that my wife and i have had the opportunity to invite a doctor and a nurse and a dentist and a dental assistant over the last few weeks to come to church and it's the craziest story because we were driving down the street and then all of a sudden there was like this light shone over a doctor's office and there was an angel up on the roof and i was like looking i was like i don't really know if i could trust that and you know so but No, that's not what happened at all. What happened is we were at the doctors. We were in a hospital. I was at a dentist. It's where I was. And when I was there, I pray God use me just to help prepare the way just a little bit in some people's lives. Where are you gonna be this week? Where are you gonna be next week? God's got you there on purpose to prepare the way. Verse 78, I love this. Because of the tender mercy of our God, By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Look at this. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Guys, that's where people are right now. In darkness, in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. So there's this tender mercy of God that wants to shine on those who are living in death, and and those who are in the shadow of death. And I just love question five as it leads us into this truth here. Do you picture God as someone who withholds mercy, annoyingly gives mercy, or happily gives out mercy? I love that phrase, tender mercy. God is a God of tender mercy. I think sometimes you and I show mercy, but it's annoyed mercy, you know? Like, the kids broke the lamp. I guess I'll forgive them, right? Um, The guy cut me off. I won't run him off the road. I'm showing him mercy, right? But there's a God who He's not annoyed, just to let you know. He's not giving you annoyed mercy. He loves you so much. His mercy is coming out in bucket loads for you and me as we walk through life. And even when we struggle and we go through our own stuff. And so God's attitude never toward me is, Doug, you idiot. You did it again. That's our own voice, right? And maybe worse, right? Oh, it's, all right, bro. Son, <laughs> Doug, fell again, Right? love you. Come on, man. Let's let's learn from this. Maybe be a little discipline attached to this because I love you and I want to bring you back to me fully. But man, my mercy is so great for you, Doug. My love, my compassion, so great for you. I would just ask you this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, have you responded to the mercy of God? Have you looked to him as your own personal savior? Do you know the forgiveness of God? He loves you so much. He wants a relationship with you. Verse 80, last verse. And the child grew became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And then John powerfully prepared the way for Jesus. What do we see today? What do I do if I'm a skeptic? God's got answers for you. God's got answers for you. Ask the questions. Explore. Dig. He's got answers for you. Did God not give me what I prayed for because he's mad at me? No. No. Please know your disappointment is not because he's mad at you. His love for you is so great. His plans for you are huge. And I know that we walk in such brokenness in this world, and there's things we can't understand. There's things we can't explain. Again, like I said, five people real close to me, lost loved ones in the last week. Man, it's just heartbreaking sometimes. Life is difficult. And yet I know in all five of those situations, the Lord is going to move. He's going to do his thing. He's working out a plan for all these families. The gospel was preached this past week gospel will be preached this coming week for those mourning these losses how powerful right in the midst of all the brokenness and hardship question 3 what did god do to prepare humanity for a relationship with him god prepared the way sent jesus thousands of years ago but he did another billion things to get our attention didn't he to draw us close to him the right people the right circumstances the right situation to draw us close to him how can we prepare ourselves and others for a deeper relationship with god Nothing more important than your relationship with God. If there's something out of order, by his grace and strength, put it into order. If there's something that needs to get out of your life, and get it out of your life. Look to him. And he's put you here to invite, to encourage, to pray for, to believe, to, to be an example to those around us. And it's so much fun because I get to kind of just like scour the crowd here. And uh, I love to see that I know personally so many of you guys who are doing this. Like, so many of you guys are just pointing people to Christ. Let's grab lunch. Let's talk about my faith. Let's, let's uh, come to my church next week. Or uh, how can I pray for you? Like, I, I just love it. And that's what we're here for, to shine brightly to those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And lastly, how can we prepare ourselves and others for a deeper relationship with God? Oh, I already said that one. Let's go to question five now. Okay, good job, Doug. Do you picture God as someone who withholds mercy, gives mercy in an, an annoyed way or gives it out? Plentiful. Man, our God is a God of great mercy, tender mercy. And if we live according to what we've heard today, we'll find answers to our questions, us skeptics in the room. We'll know God isn't mad at us. We'll celebrate that God has saved us and all that He's done, and we'll be a part of helping others find salvation. And lastly, we will respond to God's tender mercy. So you remember those first four verses, right? Written to the skeptics? So I told you before that I spent years as that skeptic. And it was really hard. It was some of the worst times of my life. My wife was such an encouragement to me as we were just newly married, as I was on like the tail end of some of that skepticism. And um, just seeing God use that so powerfully years later is such an encouragement to me. Because here's the truth, is every single Sunday when I get to share the word of God, I've got the skeptic in mind. And it's not all I talk about. I want to talk to the person who knows Jesus with all their heart. But every week, I'm going to have the skeptic in mind because I know that was me once. And had I not gone through that, I don't think I'd have the skeptic in mind every time I get up. I just assume, hey, we should all just believe this. But man, God allowed that time because he was working out a plan. And I pray week after week, skeptics are drawn in because the Lord uses even the difficulties in our lives, the things we question and can understand in a great way in His plan. You think as like a 20-something-year-old, an 18, 19, 20-something-year-old, I was thinking like, oh, God's going to use this someday, and all these people hopefully will be drawn to the Lord that maybe wouldn't have been because I went through my own time of doubting. I know some of you are right in the middle of a really hard situation. You're going, I just don't see what God's going to do. It's going to be good because he's good, and it's his plan, and all things work together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much that you're a God of tender mercy and love. We praise you today that you've done such wonderful things to work out our salvation. So God, I just pray you'll help us be able to process what we've heard today. We just want to pray through it together. So God, I just pray for any skeptics in the room. God, would you just lead us to deeper faith in you? Would you give us answers to our questions? God, I pray for the person that's just beating themselves up, blaming themselves, thinking you're mad at them, and that's why they didn't get the answer to prayer they hoped for. I just pray, God, that that God even more than me saying hey stop blaming yourself, stop beating yourself up," I pray even more than that you would remove those weights from our shoulders today God would you God, tender mercy just lift off of us self hate the anguish of if only I had done this instead the loneliness of God is mad at me and that's why. God, lift it off us. Please, Lord. I just feel that's, that's your agenda today. That's your heart in this moment, God. Supernaturally, lift it off of us, Lord. Please, God, myself included. God, as you prepared salvation for us, I pray that we would prepare ourselves for a deeper, closer relationship with you. Some of you need to just pray about that thing that needs to either be reordered in your life or just eliminated so that it's no longer a barrier between you and the Lord. God, we lift to you those that don't know you, those who are living in darkness in the shadow of death right now and they need the tender mercy of God poured out on them. Just need you so much, God. I wanna ask all of us, would you just pray for a specific person right now? And would you pray that next Sunday or the Sunday after they'll be sitting in the seat next to you? Lord, God, bring salvation to our loved ones, to those we work with, we go to school with, and we live near, God. Please, Lord, save many over the next several weeks, this unique time of year. Oh, God, save many. Father, I just pray for those of us today that need your tender mercy, God. I pray for my loved ones who lost their loved ones this last week. I pray your comfort over their soul. I pray as they grieve, they will grieve with hope knowing who you are. I pray for all my friends here today and those watching online and just pray tender mercy out over all our situations. You know, God, you know every situation we walk through. Lord, I even lift my wife to you right now, God, and she's having a big surgery Thursday. I just pray your mercies over her, Lord Jesus, your tender mercy On her life, God, I pray even now you would touch her supernaturally. She wouldn't even need the surgery, Lord. Just please touch her and surround her and bring her back to full health, Lord Jesus. Raise her up to full health, Lord Jesus. Please, God, touch her, Lord. You're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him. I'd love for you to pray with me now. You just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. So that i could be forgiven of my sin thank you for preparing the way for my salvation show me how real you are and how close you are put your holy spirit in my life be my savior and my god thank you for this gift and your